Hello and welcome to the Professional Insights Podcast Season 4. Thank you all for tuning in, listening, sharing, and caring. Thank you to our sponsors, Brand Boulevard, who Thank give our Rich. guests a nice little um, you know, thingamadooey. Ever changes every season. Um, so I don't, I don't, huh? And Bud Light too? Yeah, no, they will not be getting Bud Light. We're not sponsored by a beer company. Uh, <laughs> uh, my name's Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. And we have uh, a guest today, uh, another, another lawyer. I know this is just a huge, huge law recording that we're doing right now. Hussein Kudrati from S, oh, sorry, HSK Law Firm. Uh, how's it going, Hussein? It's going well. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for joining and taking time out of your day. I know you've got, I don't know, like something like 20 some odd deals closing this month. So, or this week, or I don't know, you, you had a busy week. So I appreciate you, uh, um, you tuning in um, and giving us some of your time. Uh, so we won't, we, won't, we won't keep you too long. Well, like our, our, our episodes are only about 20 minutes long to begin with. But there was a niche that came across uh, with one of my clients that we mutually know. Um, confidentially, we will not uh, go into detail. But it was um, the insight that you gave and then the, also the insight that you gave to me when it came to trust in the U.S. and, and all that kind of stuff and uh, how you utilize with estate planning um, life insurance and, and what have you. So um, I, I just wanted to uh, let's break it down on the, the 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 first piece, which is the when you when you do estate some like wills, POAs, estate, uh, you know, estate planning trusts and that kind of stuff in Canada. And then we can counteract that with what you do in the U.S. because you're also a, uh, a resident in the U.S. as well. So um, uh, you had some great insight on that that I honestly did not know. Um, so if you want to go down that route, uh, by all means, um, I'll give you the, yeah. the floor. Sure. So, I mean, the first thing is, is like, as you know, we ended up on the subject because of our mutual client. And the thing that a lot of Canadians don't realize is that in Canada, while we don't have a death tax or a state tax per se, we have what is known as an estate administration tax. Now, there are ways around that. There is like dual wills and different strategies that you can implement. But fundamentally, when you die, you are deemed to have essentially disposed of all of your assets, capital, income, whatever. And well, a lot of people have a lot of capital generated in their properties, but they don't actually have a way to pay without necessarily liquidating those assets. And that's where I think having effective and particularly having whole life insurance that you can potentially pay off when you're younger and in good health, especially if you're a young businessman starting off and can essentially build a good portfolio for yourself, having the insurance policy paid off can offer tremendous savings and peace of mind for your family. Like think about it. Like if you, if most of your capital is tied up in your business, for example, you, you're not going to necessarily want to sell the business, complexity, whatever. You still have to essentially pay the piper on the capital gains. It could even force, even though the, your principal residence is not subject to capital gains, it could force that sale simply to free up capital to meet your obligations. So that's where having an effective insurance policy is, is, is extremely important. Now, and this is something that for wealth planning also, what it's 
what's valuable in it is you can borrow against it during once it's fully paid. There's a this cash value that you can borrow against. So it allows you to, if you're into real estate investing or things like that, I've seen many, many clients get down payments by taking by borrowing against a life insurance policy to essentially get further ahead in their real estate game. And then the second thing that you can also do is not just that you can borrow against it, but you can pass out down more value. It's not just about flexibility, it's that if you're getting a whole pot of money, a million bucks, two million bucks, like, I mean, I've seen clients get even five, ten million dollars worth of whole life insurance and more. So if you can get all of that into your sort of bucket when you die, your, your kids, your family have so much more to, you know, enjoy life and have that security. Isn't that ultimately what do we work so hard for if not to leave something better for the next generation? So that's definitely, and you know, I mean, you mentioned it when we chatted, like even like Ted Rogers mentioned, like his own experience and how he, I mean, and he argued that he was overinsured, but who knows, right? you know? And so I just think that, and also the one thing I want to make sure that your listeners know is while it may seem expensive, it's actually cheap if you think about the long-term benefits. And two, you don't need to be a high net worth individual to benefit. I've got clients who don't even have an aggregate net worth of maybe a million bucks. And today with real estate, if you're a homeowner in this area, more likely you have a net worth of a million bucks or close to it if you've owned a home for more than four, three, four years. So don't think it's not for you. Explore the option and make sure that whenever you're doing a will, your lawyer is at least talking to you about it. At least they're talking to you about how you're going to be meeting your obligations and walking you through the numbers. So you at least have an idea. What's my tax bill looking like when I die? And how is it being paid for? Fundamentally, it comes down to that question that a lot of people ignore. Bondo, do you have got a comment on that? From your... Yeah, no, I mean, sometimes it's difficult to assess in advance what your your asset pool is going to look like at the end of things. So, I mean, listen, I... I, I've commented on here before, and yeah. I'm, I've got a, I've got a whole life policy myself, right? So I'm, I'm very supportive of, of that investment uh, piece. Uh, for for certain individuals, it makes absolute fabulous sense. I, I, I genuinely, a term policy would have a different approach, right? Because I don't think you could have. I've never seen it where you can borrow against no, it or whatever. There's right? no cash value to borrow against. Only the universal or the UL uh, yeah. or the whole life. Uh, but again, in in circumstances, if 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 you can afford, you know, one of these types of uh, policies within your portfolio, and uh, again, I think it's wise. Yeah wise thing to do right well well i can definitely comment on on the forecasting piece and that's where financial planners come in right i mean you know the the lawyers don't necessarily that sh they shouldn't be put, put that burden shouldn't be put on them um yeah. but um uh because fp canada gives us guidelines on what we're allowed to forecast our real estate at our you know our, our all of our assets at and what have you so what's real estate like three percent or three percent legit <laughs> yeah <laughs> It's hilarious, but I mean, at the end of the day, when you do, when you look at compounding over 20 or 30 years, no, for sure. For you know, sure. You, you'll get the spike in, you know, 2016 or 2021 yeah. now, but we might get a decline later on. So, but overall, you don't, you never know, right? 100%, 100%. But then, but then Hussein, you're, you are, okay, so let me just, I, I got to remember, you are a resident in 
Kenya, the UK, the US, and in Canada, did I miss a country? Uh, not, not, not really. Okay. Like those are the main ones. Because though, because that dovetailed our conversation then dovetailed with our mutual client mm-hmm. into, um, you know, the Rockefellers and what have you, because in the U S they have an inheritance tax. Mm-hmm. Um, and you brought up on how the trusts in the U S work and which mm-hmm. I did not know about because I know trust in Canada. That's, that's pretty, you know, that's where I'm educated and that's where my license is license is. Um, but you, you mentioned something on how not all States, but some of the States, there is that loophole and they obviously use life insurance 100%, but there's a designation, a, a living benefit on the real so, estate, go, go ahead. So there's like the rule against perpetuities, right? That applies in the US where in Canada, they have the 21 year trust History. rule essentially, where at 21 years you deem to essentially pay the gain, whatever it is that the, that the trust has accrued. Whereas, and, and even if I may, I'd like to take a step back that in the US and Canada, trusts are used very differently for estate planning, right? Whereas trusts here are used like more like safeguarding assets, you know, in case of, you know, like kid gets, into a bad marriage or disability or things like that. Right. Whereas in the U.S., like with the way the tax laws work in the U.S., it, it can it can be an amazing tool. And in fact, like everybody in the U.S. who's got a basic estate plan will take advantage of a trust because they can move the trust in. They can move assets into the trust, and therefore, then whatever the cost base. So say, like, I mean, you bought shares of Microsoft for like twenty five dollars, whatever, back in the day, right? Whatever it, it, the gross up is, the moment you move it into the trust, the cost base automatically becomes what that value is at that day. Correct. So you don't essentially pay that cost. Like whereas in Canada, if you're moving it into the trust, you, you don't. You still capture the original cost base. You don't get to just use the new cost base when you entered it into the trust. So it's things like that that are incredible. But again, yeah. one thing to be very mindful of is if you've got ties to both jurisdictions. Using trust in either one, depending on where you're living at the time, is very useful, but very dangerous because the two countries tax trusts in very, very different ways. So it is fun. Like you almost need a like a Picasso like touch to almost thread the needle to make sure that clients are being well looked after without triggering adverse tax implications. And that's the thing, but the but the fundamental point is, you trust can live a lot lot longer in the United States than they can live in Canada. In Canada, they can live, but what I mean is about the disposition of tax. Is when does tax get triggered? Because at the end of the day, a life of a trust of to practitioners is what's the lifespan before tax has to be paid. Because ultimately, that's the whole reason these vehicles exist. Is there a tax efficient mechanism? It's not a tax avoidance. It's not a Deferral. It is a tax deferral and it and it's a tax minimization as well. Like it doesn't just defer in the US, you can actually minimize tax. That's why, like people almost everybody I know who's got American ties will always keep as much of their assets in a trust versus through their will. They almost put nothing through their will as much as they can. Even if they've just got a couple of hundred thousand dollars in assets, they'll still take advantage of a trust simply because then they avoid the probate rule. Because also in the US they have a death tax, whereas mm-hmm. Canada doesn't which is also why it evolved differently through the laws in in both countries. Because in the U.S., you, te- you can be taxed up to 40% of the assets that you hold personally when you die. So it's pretty penal. 
Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks, Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Well, yeah, there's, there's you, and there's also with, with dual citizens too, like, um, the, the U S CITUS laws, right. Mm -hmm. Um, which basically a lot of people are very ignorant of, especially in Niagara who go and travel to the U S all the time, buy a place in Florida, buy a place in South Carolina or, or Arizona, which, which were happening right, left and center when the, the, the market crashed in 09 and 2010 and these people go and pass away. And the next thing you know, they didn't shelter it in a trust and they, they, once they surpass a certain threshold, um, the, the U S CITUS laws kick in and it all depends on whoever, pres whoever is the president at the time is it can, can adjust the U S CITUS laws and it's your entire worldwide estate is subject to tax in the U S. Um, mm -hmm. if it's to your point, if it's not done correctly, um, mm -hmm. Now, also, just the other thing, like a lot of people, and I don't know, like, you know, that I, I don't know about what other lawyers are seeing, but like, I know a lot of my clients don't either haven't even heard of a CBT or don't know how to establish a CBT. And even most lawyers don't know how to effectively structure and create a CBT because that's the way to get around. When I said, when I mentioned about the conflict of between Canadian laws and American laws, CBTs are the, are the, is a trust vehicle that's recognized by both tax jurisdictions. But you have to be careful about creating it. Instead, what a lot of accountants and a, a, quite a few lawyers are suggesting is to keep going through the LLC structure. But LLCs are not necessarily taxed in a very friendly way in Canada, you know, because that flow through mechanism of you only tax when something is paid out is not really recognized in, in Canada. So, again, like the LLC for real estate investment in the U.S., a lot of people seem to be doing it without realizing that actually does this truly make sense and is this the best path to go on? And two, how am I going to pass this asset on through the LLC? There isn't much thought given to that either. 
Now, you mentioned uh, in some of the states, uh, they, they, like I said, they use insurance to, to help pay off the tax bills and stuff like that. I mean, the Kennedys are one, the Rockefellers are others. But the, you, you mentioned that it, you, they can also dictate in some of the states what you cannot, you cannot do in Canada. Um, you can make a building a living benefit or a, a living... Uh, you can appoint anything to be a life in being. So essentially, as long as a structure or something existed forever, so that's kind of how the George Washington estate is still open, because they actually, or the Thomas Jefferson estate for that matter, because they de they designated the the one of the, the estate like which becomes the property as the life in being itself. So therefore, now three four hundred years later, or whatever it is now, not quite four hundred, but over three hundred years later, those estates are still open. Whereas in Canada, it would be impossible to keep an estate open that long. Interesting. Okay, a life in being, you said. Yeah, it's all about because that's what the rule triggers the rule against perpetuities from starting. And I mean, anyone who's gone through law school, like I know Bondo has gone through law school, that rule against perpetuities is like the nightmare thing that nobody ever wants to learn about. No. No. Wow. Uh, uh, Trevor or uh, Collins, do you have any any questions, uh, any follow-up on, on this? I'm just absorbing. This is all new to me, so I like hearing it. It's intriguing. Trevor? No, I don't have anything. Okay. So, yeah, no, I, I mean, I, I, do, I got a couple more, like, follow-ups to that because it's just the life in being. So why would someone want to keep, I mean, this is to Bondo and Hussein both, why would you want to keep a an estate open for 300 years? Like, I just, I guess, you know, I understand Elvis Presley's is because, well, that's, you know, that's Grace, you know, that's Grace, Grace Town, is it called? Um, Graceland. Grace and, you know, you get, you get, you get, you know, Michael Jackson's estate is still open for other reasons, but mainly because of also tourists as well. Um, you Legacy know, like, and tax deferral, right? Yeah, because you can keep paying out to beneficiaries. And it, it's a multi-generational scheme, right? And also, if you, a lot of these larger people historically, they didn't have many families, right? Or many kids who survived them to adulthood or whatever. So there wasn't really anyone. So it was all about, and also they just had altruistic. That if you want to keep giving to, you know, charities and other causes and things like that, essentially taking advantage of as the laws evolve and differ. That's why, like, some of the biggest lobbyist expenses actually paid by states. Because, you know, they, they'll amend the tax laws for contributions. They'll say, hey, we'll contribute here. We'll give, like, you know, a political donation there, whatever it might be. There's so much flexibility that it's allowed, and it allows you to keep donating and giving, right? Because, like, Jefferson, the state still contributes to, like, things like the Library of Congress and things. Right. Okay. So it keeps the estate alive, and it allows you to trickle it out longer. Exactly. Interesting. So so, so you reduce the tax bill on it instead of a deemed disposition, and you're taxed on it on death. Wow. It's just crazy on how, because you hear a lot of these things, and I think what happens, especially now, when people talk about, oh, you know, the ultra-rich are getting richer and all this kind of stuff, but I, I think that's the more the media in the U.S. than it is and. and, and Canada picking up on that and 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 also mentioning that in their newscast, but the reality is, you hit on it, Hussein. That the tax system and the and the tax structure is completely different in the two countries. It's you know like you're not even you can't even do half the stuff that in Canada what you can do in the U.S. and and it also too, you mentioned on our call um, before, which was 
you know, it differs from state to state. You have some states that have outlawed life and being. They want to get in the process. None have fully, fully gotten rid of it, but they're like Texas is one of them that has legislation pending that's expected to pass that they will just abolish the rule against perpetuities. And I know West Virginia is another because it's a way to attract dollars into the state. Now, would they grandfather the existing? They would, as part of them trying to bring, you know, existing dollars into the, because it's a whole motivation for doing it, right? Is some of these poorer states, you know, they, they need revenue desperately, right? Or people at least in state doing business or whatever. So they want dollars at least somehow coming in, coming in there because it's very important to them. And yeah, I mean, honestly, like tax laws in the U.S. are fascinating. And I think, you know, it, it's, it's part of why they're as successful as they are. And also just wanted to comment on trust in the U.S. Yeah, there was on, on, I forget like how long ago, but in the very recent past, there was a ProPublica publication that actually said what the t- effective tax rate of all these multi-billionaires were, like Bezos, Musk, a few of them had it leaked. And the way they did it is they were able to do it based on the fact that, excuse me, they were able to do it on the basis that they hold their shares in trust in a lot of these companies. And therefore, their cost base, personally, they don't have to declare anything because the trust can keep going without having to pay tax. So the, position. so the shares are considered the life and being in that particular instance or? Well, they can they can appoint themselves the life and being or whatever, right? And then like they can say my children, but then my children, the child can be because that child was in existence at the time of the trust. Or they can create another trust. Like It's not like they rely on one trust, they have dozens. Roll it down. Yeah. Wow. Wow. It's a family trust, right? That they're running. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. And, and just, I mean, just keynote is we're speaking very on a high level. Like this is very technical. And like yes. I said, like, it's a touch of an artist to actually, you know, make this work in an effective way. Because it's very, very easy to get this stuff wrong. And even in Canada, like, yes, estate planning is somewhat simpler in Canada. But even in Canada, like, honestly, like I've seen numerous wills prepared by lawyers and sometimes themselves or just people have ideas because they think they Google something and, you know, they're an expert now, whatever the case might be, where there's tons of things that they're making mistakes on. It's even simple stuff, right? Like everyone, I hope, in a will has a community property saying that, oh, you know what, everything I inherit, you know, doesn't form into it. But they don't realize that that will clause only applies to property that was inherited at the time if it was inherited when they were married. But if the person inherited it before they got married, then you still have to educate someone that, you know, this is now still just, you have to declare this as net family property and it's a whole different program that applies, you know, or simple things like what happens to digital assets, making sure you follow you follow the terms of, you know, the digital assets that, you know, provider and how do you also secure them? How do you make sure that they dealt with the next generation? Especially because today, you know, I know a lot of, like, I know a few people who are influencers whose, whose social media presence is worth some money. It might not be worth a lot, but, mm-hmm. you know, they do like TikTok videos or this or that, like, you know, even just in the Burlington region, they've got a couple of clients who do it. And they and they make like a good six-figure hustle just being influencers online. But wow. how do you control that portfolio? It all, it all comes down to your will, you know, and drafting the right clause, you know, and so just doing it as a generic one-size-fits-all approach can really screw people. Right. Interesting. Okay. 
All right. Uh, Bondo, you got anything else to add there? Um, no, it's, it was good. Because uh, that just is, I find this absolutely fascinating, uh, especially the the law, the U.S. law type of stuff. I mean, it's so intricate, like Hussein said, though, right? Like, I mean, the, the intricacies of it, I mean, he, he's just scraping the surface in terms of what the structure of this trust would probably look like, right? In mm-hmm. order to uh, to shelter the assets. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it's good. It's neat. Awesome. Uh, Collins, Lindy, anything else? No, good. Quiet on this one. Yeah. Well, well, Collins had his second shot yesterday, so he's, you know, kind of just taking it all in, you know. He's just I'm in a daze. He's just in a daze. He's Looks like he's ready for risky business, though. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, Hussein, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we really appreciate it. Um, uh, that was... Uh, very insightful. And if you don't mind, we'd love to have you back uh, sure. to talk on maybe some other international law stuff that might come up down our pipeline with from, from our listeners. So again, to anyone that's listening, to anyone that's watching on the Book of Faces or Twitter or wherever you watch us, um, please keep the questions coming. And now uh, we do have resources for international law stuff. So you've got questions on like the Panama Papers and the Paradise Papers and all this kind of stuff. This is the type of stuff that, um, you know, we could bring in Hussein and he could probably maybe give a legal opinion. And as a matter of fact, guys, you have no idea. So I got a funny story for our listeners too. So uh, we, were, we were chatting and uh, I was, I was, uh, I had Hussein over and uh, my wife wanted to be a part of the conversation. So she comes down and my wife only really follows like pop culture. That's her main shtick. I I don't. And maybe a couple months ago during COVID, we had uh, we had a um, whatchamacallit, the, the whole Free Britney with the, 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 the movie or whatever, the whole case. So knowing Hussein's in law, but knowing nothing else about Hussein, just what, what kind of law, nothing like that. She just wanted to be a part of the conversation. So she comes down and she's just like, oh, so you're a lawyer. And, and you know, everyone's met Kristen on this, on this podcast. And, and Hussein's like, yeah. And she's like, so what are your thoughts about Britney Spears and the conservatorship? Like, like, what are your thoughts? And here I am thinking, oh my God, the guy's like a POA, like Will's power attorney lawyer, like he trusts and, you know, I, I, and, and not even, he goes on this 20 minute rant about, about <laughs> conservatorship knew it inside and out and understood what was going on, like followed it in incredible detail. And I'm sitting here like this, our mutual clients like going like this. And Kristen is just enthralled going like, Oh my God, I never knew the details. So um, again, to our listeners, if you've got a question for Hussein, even on Britney Spears, you'll be pleasantly <laughs> surprised. He'll have a legal opinion on it. He will, he will have a legal, he blew me away. I thought he'd be like, well, I kind of watched the documentary and it sucks. You know, no, no, no. He, uh, he had a very intricate answer, a very legal ease, intricate answer, which I was very impressed by. That's hats off to you, bud. I'm pretty happy. That's pretty good. Nice. Uh, uh, they wouldn't change it. What's that? And I called it. They wouldn't change it. And they wouldn't change it. Like he called it too. Like it was insane. It was anyways, he, uh, yeah, I won't go into any more detail, but yeah. I thought it was funny. By the way, my wife is, and 
I did not expect the answer that he gave. Um, and on that note, Bondo, if you want to roll us out. Help us help you stay informed. Hi, I'm Joel McLeod, co-host of the 905er podcast. The 905 is one of the most diverse and densely populated regions of Canada. Four and a half million of us live, work, and play in the area surrounding Toronto. That's more people in the 905 than actually live in Toronto. Each election, the 905 decides who forms our government at both the provincial and federal levels. So why isn't more attention being focused on us here in the 905? We're looking to change that. My co-hosts, Roland Tanner and I, tell the stories that define what we are calling the most important region in Canada. Each week, we bring to your attention news, culture, and issues that make up what it means to be a 905er. You can find us on Apple, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to your podcasts. Or you can visit us at 905er.ca to subscribe. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.